This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Hello. Mary Goulet. The lipstick and the shirt match today is very impressive. Well, there you go. <laughs> Richie Ote will be joining us in about 12 and a half seconds. What's up, Richie Ote? Good to see you, my man. There What's you are. On? What's going, going on? Way's holding it down under control in the studio. Kelly's got it under control back at headquarters, and we're joined in studio today by Ryan Matthews. It's super cool for you to be here, man, and we'll get into a whole bunch of fun stuff with you here in, uh, in just a second. And I, and I thought it was actually really um, interesting timing that we're having you on the show here, man, because, uh, and, and we'll get into a lot over the next 40 odd minutes or so here. Uh, but your expertise is is really in, in well, you have a number of areas of, uh, of expertise, of course, with such a storied background and whatnot. But working with dogs and the world of dog training and everything else that you're doing around that, I mean, it's just it's super cool, super needed. And I know you just have um, you've had a really interesting go, to say the least, uh, around this work. But um, but it just it, it was I don't know if it was. Just completely like, did I bring this on myself so that we'd have something to talk about or if it's just pure coincidence or what? But last night around 1230 or so, we always let our dogs out for one last, you know, do your thing before we go to bed. Two small little girls, cute as hell, 16, 17 pounds, mutts. They always kind of tear out of the door with just this you know, reckless abandon of just yelling and barking. And at night we kind of get them to calm down a little bit. Like, you know, hey, chill, just go out, you know, no barking, that sort of thing. And most of the time they listen. Last night they rip out of the back door, bats out of hell, and they start barking like crazy. So I know something is going on. Because they're not usually like that at the last go out. They just know we want them to keep it down. And (laughs) so they're going nuts, and I know something's out there. So we we live in San Diego. We don't live in, you know, a canyon or anything like that. There are canyons around, but we are not on a canyon. We're just backing up actually to a main street. There was a skunk (laughs) in the backyard that they got, you know, a scent on. And then they sure got a scent on at that point because my dogs, one came around the left corner, one came around the right corner, and they just got that skunk stuck right between them. Oh, no. And they got skunked. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I like brought, the smell of the skunk weed. I can smell it. Do you smell it? Do you smell it now? Yeah. I was going to say, a on, a scale, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do I smell? Like right now. No, do you, you smell, smell like it? you have a sack in your pocket. Yeah, just a sack of weed. That's yeah. what it's just a small <laughs> smack of weed in the pocket, right? Like I used to love the smell of skunk because it reminded me of some good skunk weed, right? But Never would have put those two together. Really? Oh, well, that explains. We got to change that for you. So, but yeah, our house. Is just, I mean, we were up to one thirty in the morning, just doing the whole night. Have you have your dogs? Like, I'm sure you've got a ton of experience with this, Ryan. Yeah. What what would what would you have done? I gotta say, you're really special because getting <laughs> skunked isn't all that common. It's not. No. Well, my Wait. dog got skunked all the time. Where in my Where yard were you? Well, not Romeo, but Zuma, my Weimaraner. Uh, I just let her out in the backyard and the skunks. In Encinitas? Yes. Wow. So I would just throw her in the shower with cans, tall cans of tomato juice to cut the smell. Does that really work? It really works. Oh, my God. So, yeah, were you going to say something, Ryan, about getting skunked? I was going to talk about the skunk smell, actually, because (laughs) when I walked into the 
into the <laughs> studio today. I was like, oh, cool. We could talk about our, our cannabis CBD for dog business. Absolutely. Based on the smell in this place. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Well, when I asked you and I asked Wade, I was like, okay, on a scale of one to, head, one to ten, well, how bad do I smell right now? You're like, oh, I don't smell anything. Now I, you when smell I it. hugged you, I didn't smell it, but then now, we've closed now we're the in door. a closed door room. I'm just like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, and so it'll I be interesting. Away. Yeah, I know, right? It'll be interesting <laughs> to see how things uh, calm down in the house there over the next uh, few days, but Eventually, the smell goes away, right? Like, we eventually, at some point, uh, the hope. In in time. In a few days. Joy. So, Ryan, a lot of ground to cover here, man, and uh, super excited that you joined us in the studio. Where where are you coming in from so that you could be here with us? I actually took the train with my team from Huntington Beach. Oh, you're up north a little bit. I am. I'm in Orange County. Nice, man. So, you have uh, a a world of of stories to to share with us, but just to kind of give us uh, a little bit of an understanding of how you got to where you are today. We need to take a few steps back. So you were in the military, right? I was. Straight out of college, straight out of high school. When did you end up in the military? Yeah. My journey of joining the military isn't how most join. I was a drug dealer in high school. and Like good stuff? Like what are we talking? Like the stuff we smell in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're not going to live this down now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I remember I, I, I dealt drugs for a, a very short period of time in college, one semester, and we bought um, a pound mm-hmm. of weed. And I remember dumping it on the bed all wrapped up and all. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of weed. How much were you? I'm sure you were moving a lot more than that. I wasn't yet. moving major weight, but you know what's crazy is how it started. I was walking to high school with a friend, and in the middle of the street, we saw something really a weird-looking object. And I didn't know it at the time, but when we further investigated, it was a brick. Now, if you don't know what a brick, a brick is, of weed? that's right. Just laying in the street. That's right. Party. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus. That's like, and at the time, you know, so a brick was what, like two pounds? No. How much was a brick back then? Well, it was, it was broken up. So the trash bag was kind of put together and kind of not. So it, it was kind of sketchy situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone was just ditching a stash. I don't know how it got there. Yeah. But that prompted my entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like. I just fell. Well, in the love. ROI on free is pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> and and I I fell in love with it because, and I'm not condoning this kind of behavior. By it's the way, legal now, condone it all you want. Okay, but it was a rush because I felt like I was actually needed, right? But people didn't need me; they just wanted what I had to offer. So back in the day, I was getting paged, and I would have the same people paging me time and time again, and it felt so good to be wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? But they just wanted my what I was selling. Yeah, and so That's anyways, the perfect entrepreneurial venture like it doesn't matter who the person is doesn't matter how good of a salesperson you are just have something that they want and i mean that's like the holy grail man that's right and yeah it's so inter- now you're into crack and uh just <laughs> yeah <or> no. <laughs> well it's interesting you said that it speared your entrepreneurial spirit too because some people would have just found that brick and just smoked the brick right right you know but you i take it were you not smoking at the time like what made you decide i'm gonna make money off this I was smoking like three, four times a day back then. Yeah. And my brother taught me, like, you never do your own drugs. So I didn't. Mm. I was always buying other people's stuff or it's discipline. So I guess I learned discipline, right? That you don't, you don't get don't high get on high your, off own your own supply. supply. <laughs> <laughs> and right, sorry, it's an inside drug, like, obviously, drug yeah. dealer, drug I user joke. Sorry. <laughs> how you guys are spitting this whole thing of bullshit. <laughs> okay. Let's keep bullshit. going. But yeah. that, that party came to a crazy crash where one day, my friend robbed me of my own stash. Ooh. 
but my brother taught me that you never trust anyone in the drug game. So I was actually prepared. I had a knife tucked in my shoe alongside my ankle. Mm. So when the guy tried to rob me, I tried to stab him. Mm. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I ended up stabbing myself and nearly cutting my finger off. Oh, oh no. You got a tweaky pinky, right? too. Right, you lose yeah, your two with your pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, t- so how old are you? How much? Give us a sense of what the, the business looks like at this point. I mean, are, are we dealing just 10, a, 20 grand a week at this point? I just want to no, get a sense. No. no, just a few grand a month. Okay. Pretty, very small. Okay. Very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gee so whiz, you popped that 10, 20 grand out. Hey, really you fast. know, I mean, it's logical. Is that where you were? Sometimes. So, um, so good marketing, right? So, exactly. Well, I had something they needed. It was a perfect entrepreneurial yeah. endeavor. So, wake up call. Partner tries to rob you. You take out the knife, stab yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so after he chuckles and leaves with your stash because you're laying on the floor crying with your <laughs> pinky that's now you know all severed, up, severed. Right? What did did he end up? Just getting in, like taking over your business, and you said, "Forget it, I'm done." Or how did you end up uh, getting out of that? So I tried to stab him and take the stash at the same time. So I was able to grab the drugs that were tucked under his shirt, mm. and I drove off. And then the crazy part—this was the defining moment for the military—was he called my work a couple of days later, and he said, "We're going to find you, and when we do, we're going to blow your head off with a shotgun." Wait, this is your ex-partner, my like, friend, your my friend. friend, yeah, your yeah. Friend. Really? Yeah. That's not a good friend. So I did what any sane person would do. I ran. Hmm. I ran. And I was like, I'm joining the army. And I went under two conditions. Give me overseas so I could get really far away from here. And also, give me military police. And my logic was, that would force me to clean my act up. If you can't Mm -hmm. beat them, join them, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did. I joined the army, five-year commitment as military police. And I was stationed in Germany for my first duty station. Yeah. Did you tell them what happened? No way. No way, yeah. right? So what, what branch? So who, who is military police? Is that Army? No. Correct. It yeah. is Army, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you go overseas. You, you actually saw, I mean, you were like in, well, you were in Germany, but didn't you also then do a couple of tours in some places, right? Like Yeah, yeah we, call it the sand, we call places? it the sandbox. Yeah. yeah, so where did you end up? Yeah, so out of Fort Carson, Colorado, I was stationed there for a bit, a couple of years. I volunteered to go to the war. And the reason I volunteered was it wouldn't have felt good. And this is Desert Storm? Or what are uh, we talking about? Iraq. Iraq, okay. yeah. Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2005. Okay. okay, yeah. I don't know that I could live with myself if I served five years in the military and not deployed when there was, it was a wartime. Mm-hmm. So I extended my time in the Army by a year so that I could go to the war with my bomb-sniffing dog. And that's what we did. So in as a military police officer, part of your job, part of your role was to train dogs to find bombs. That was your that was your role. So you were one of those MP guys walking around with the dog. Exactly right. Yep. You start off with a drug dog first. Imagine that, right? The drug dealer gets a drug sniffing dog. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> He's got it. He's like, this is just too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to search faster. It's right here. I smell it. I don't know where it is. Yes. So, <laughs> but this is kind of a funny story where we used to ha- obviously the dogs need to maintain a proficiency. So a drug dog needs to maintain a ninety percent success rate, and explosive dog a little higher, ninety five percent success rate. But when my drug, my first dog was a drug sniffing dog detection, we call it, 
And so when my dog was searching a room, I would, since I know how to stash stuff, I would actually search and, and look for the drugs as well in our, when we were training for the proficiency of the dog. Mm. So they would always give me a hard time that my dog is searching and me, the handler, is also trying to find the drugs, which yeah. is not how it's supposed to go. The <laughs> dog's the dog supposed do the to work do the work. And, yeah. That's funny. So when you got out of the military, honorable discharge, or how did you? How Surprisingly, did you the yes. Surprisingly, yes. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Not, no, no physical injuries. Yes. You know, I was extremely fortunate. Yeah. So I was in Mosul. If you Google Mosul, you'll see a lot of bad stuff happens. In fact, on our base, our dining facility got blown up. Whoa. Our gym got blown up. I was extremely fortunate that I was never there. Wow. And primarily I was working with infantry and we were searching for caches. We were knocking down doors and raiding people's houses, searching for caches. We're going in fields searching for landmines. I was also there during the elections, and they were trying to sabotage the elections, and uh, we had to go and do many bomb threat sweeps. Mm. So they would say, hey, at that voting uh, place, there's a bomb. So then people don't want to go vote. Jesus. So then they send you and your dog in. Did you it. find bombs? We found caches, yes, but not at— Wait, cache means bomb? A cache means usually a huge supply of explosive components. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we never did find a bomb at a bomb threat sweep, which is a real-life call, mm-hmm. right, saying, yeah. hey, there's a bomb in that building. Uh, I, I put it there, kind of anonymous, Unabomber kind of thing, right? Yeah. And we would have to go and either clear the building or say there's a bomb in this region and mm-hmm. we get the heck out of there and call the uh, EOD, explosive yeah. ordinance. So did I hear somewhere in there that, that you, if you were protecting Iraqi officials then, if it was an election, were there times that you had to protect Iraqis also? Absolutely. Yeah, in fact, some of the team were training their military, or, or sorry, their police force. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, that must have been interesting from the Iraqis' perspective, like you protecting them. Yeah, yeah it's right. crazy, guys. Or even like on our base... How did how were they able to bomb our defi- dining facility like mm-hmm. so perfectly? It's because someone on our base, like it's an inside job, yeah, a yeah. local that supposedly cleared and good to go and safe, actually mm. gave in outside information, mm-hmm. right? So five years pass. Your beef with this guy did that pass when you came back to the states, or did you end up moving somewhere else, or did you relocate? Like how did how did that beef? Because obviously, drug dealer, you know, they hold a all. grudge. Well, yeah. So <laughs> how did you, you came back? I mean, you must have been scared. You must have, or at least that must have been in, if not the back of your mind, the forefront of your mind. I mean, like, you got to be thinking about, I'm coming back to the States. I'm coming back to where this guy might be. Like, how, what happened then? It's interesting, right? That in life, if we don't really deal with something, it may deal with us. And yeah, you're right. It was definitely on my mind. Yeah. And I thought about doing some pretty nasty things just to protect myself. Sure. And decided not to. And what I'm finding is that, you know, time is, is making it, it better, mm-hmm. right? Did you ever talk to him and clear the air or no? No. no. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because one of the things that I have learned to transform one's life is to make your wrongs a right. Mm-hmm. And I've been gradually doing that. There's been a lot of cleanup. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then even landmark or no landmark, you draw the line somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm not making that call. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you've been through the landmark form, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you, you don't make that call. Right. 
So dogs, obviously, you got a lot of love for the animal. You took these five years of experience, and immediately when you came back, you started figuring, you know, hey, let me let me work with people and help them with their dogs, or what, like, transition into then what you did when you came back for work. Sure. When I got out of the military, I took a contract job as a civilian in the Marshall Islands, and I was a drug dog handler in the Marshall Islands, and this island was so small, it was half a mile wide and three and a half miles long. Wow. And when I got there within the first week, I met the most beautiful woman on the island. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, that's who I want to be with. Mm. I want to get to know her. And we end up having this incredible relationship, and she's the reason I actually got into dog training. Because after that contract was done, I moved to Colorado, Sorry, I moved to California. She moved to Colorado, mm-hmm. and we met halfway in Utah. Mm. And this is where one of my traumatic events happened. You know, I had always liked adrenaline from the drug dealing, from the military stuff, bomb threat sweeps and all that. It sure. gets your heart going. Well, we'd rent an ATV, and she was on the back, and I was driving it. And I remember seeing 5'2", 52 miles per hour, but I was going around a loose gravel curve, and I lost control. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of nowhere. And I yelled, jump, to land onto the trail, but it was too late. I flew over the handlebars. She hung on to the back of the ATV on the rack while the ATV crushed her body. Ooh. And she ended up having 12 broken bones, a collapsed lung, and a punctured kidney. I rolled down the mountain. My helmet cracked on a boulder, and I woke up choking up water and finally found her. And on the side of the mountain, pinned under the ATV, which was against the tree, and I couldn't get it off of her. I had a look in her eyes, and I had to tell her that I needed to leave and go get help. And I tracked the time. It took 45 minutes to go and get help. Mm. And she survived. She needed flight for life. And I moved to Colorado for her so that I could help her get back to her old self with many rods in her body and walking with a cane. So that's the reason I moved to Colorado, and that was the reason why I got into dog training. Mm. Because I moved there, and I was like, now what am I going to do for money? And I bought into a franchise. And in just two years, I made close to a million dollars training dogs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And so what's the, what, what is the revenue model then around training dogs? Like, is it, do are we talking like high-end clients who, who bring you their dogs and like, hey, train this dog for 5K? Or I mean, like, sure. what, what are we talking about? You know what I find is that in life there's a lot of people that are very skilled and they're really great at what they do, but they don't know business. And the same holds true with dog trainers. Yeah. I'm confident that there's dog trainers that are far better than I am, but they don't know business, and they're making a fraction of what we did. Mm-hmm. But my model was this, $1,200, you get as many lessons as you want to train your dog. Now, our technique is so quick that it only takes three to four sessions. That's three to four hours. Mm. And we have dogs off-leash around distractions. Wow. Yeah. And so... So you wouldn't have had the skunk issue. So I wouldn't have had the skunk. I know. <laughs> Stay. 1200 bucks. Yeah. That's all you that's need. That's all I needed. Right. And now I'm going to spend 1200 bucks cleaning my couches and carpets. So there you go. So... And that was the model that this franchise had put forth, or this was something that you came up with on your own and you were just leveraging the name of the franchise? Like, how how did the two mesh? Definitely the latter. Mm. We're essentially using their name. We're using some of their technique. When I say we, it's my business partner, Turk, who's on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we're using some of their marketing initially. Then we're like, you know what? Our contract is up. Let's do our own thing. And what we did was, which isn't very common in dog training, 
we took a little bit from over here, which is positive reinforcement. We took a little bit from over here, which is willing and able to do correction when necessary, and then dog psychology. And we made our own system that has worked time and time again with like thousands of dogs. Mm -hmm. It's seriously a recipe that if I share with you or your audience and you apply it, it's going to work, guaranteed. Yeah. Yep. And so we can take a couple of steps back, and we will, but for right now, what is the so the world of dog training right is so that's your own brand you're no longer in the under the franchise correct you are correct yeah so yeah. world of dog training and then do you do online teaching is it do you have a physical facility and we can get into some other things around you know dog ownership and whatnot but i'm just trying sure. to understand like what it looks like now right it looks a lot different now than when it did when i first started training pet dogs in 2008 and essentially what I learned was I was trading my time for money with the old model. And sure, I, w I could make $8,000 a day, not consistently though. Mm -hmm. And it really nearly almost killed me, which maybe we'll get into a bit later. Um, so I decided now let's do it online. And that's exactly what we're doing is we're leveraging the things I teach in person online so it's affordable to the masses so mm -hmm. that it, they can do it whenever they want. And they can find specifically what they want to be trained whenever they want. Mm -hmm. So give us a sense then, is it like people just have access to a video training portal or something of that nature and they just pay a one-time fee? Are you doing like ongoing support and then they pay a monthly membership? Like what, what's what's the model? Because uh, I think this will help others sure. kind of get their arms around how they might be able to scale their knowledge right. and turn that knowledge into some sort of scalable online product or program or something of that nature. Sure. So what we're doing is, so I'm normally about 150 to $250 an hour, depending upon what I'm doing for somebody. So if you personally go to somebody's house and help train the dog, $150, $250 an hour. Right. Okay. Instead, 37 bucks a month for access to over 100 training videos. Mm -hmm. And then the, that's also, there's also other tiers where if you want, you can have access to me through Voxer, which for those of your audience members that do coaching and consulting, Voxer is a really great resource. Yeah. For people to have access to you for coaching. Yeah, it's like a walkie-talkie. Exactly. Yeah. So if you need to get a hold of Ryan, you just push the button on your on your phone, and you're obviously going to have Voxer on your phone, and you guys just talk that way. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like Nextel. Remember those good old days? Yeah, exactly. You remember those Nextel phones, oh, man? Yeah. Geek, geek. I forget what that sound was, but, man, that everybody, you knew that sound. So, uh, okay, so, and then 37 bucks a month. Do, do people stay, like, with you for an indefinite period of time or most people are probably just with you for three or four months i would think and then they don't need you anymore because they train their dog right right yeah. so we don't have we don't have like a year's time to know that right now we're actually developing it all like it's about to launch in the next uh, week or two gotcha yeah. yeah yeah good so i'm i'm really looking forward to that growth and how we need to adjust and find out, test, and see what people want, and they just yeah. give them what they want. I think that's actually Richard's middle name. It, it is test, right? Richard Test Ote. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love testing. Tough. Yeah, yes. right? Richard. So so what's interesting, though, in, in knowing more about your story, and, and I would say unequivocally that you love animals. I mean, Absolutely. You, you know, you're, you, you clearly have a love for animals, yeah. and dogs are... You know, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with my book, but I've got I've got a book called What Is Your What? You know, really discover that one amazing thing you were born to do. And dogs for you are kind of your what? You know, like it just seems like that's that's your thing. That's really where you you thrive and you love dogs. And and I think you would do anything to to help a, a dog if you saw a dog on the street. And, you know, but something really unfortunate happened where you had built up you know, a, a pretty 
big following and a pretty good sized business. And then you got caught on tape doing what? Yeah. So at the peak of my dog training career, I, like I said, I made close to a million bucks. I, I had commercials on TV at this time. Oh, this is in Colorado? It is. In Colorado, yeah. And I had a facility. And at the age of 30, I ended up having stomach pain for five months, and it ended up being stage three colon cancer. Mm. And I remember when I went to see the doc, and I didn't quite understand what he was saying. And I was like, just give me some pain meds, doc. Let me, like, let me go. I got money to make, you know? Yeah. And uh, eventually I listened. And within 24 hours, I was having emergency surgery to move, remove a large mass. And if that's not enough, after the first round of my chemotherapy on the 4th of July, which is a really tough day for combat vets because it reminds us of explosions and mortars, right? Tracer rounds going over your head. Uh, normally my ex-wife and I would go to the mountains because I would hide. Again, not address stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This time we stayed in town. And in the middle of the night, I ended up having a widowmaker heart attack at the age of 30, just a couple months after the cancer. Mm. And I went back to work a month after the heart attack, which is foolish, right? You need time to recover. Yeah. But, you know, I was so addicted to my work because I was trying to silence that negative voice in my head of PTSD, right? And in that time, uh, my dog had a small cut on her paw, and she kept licking it and licking it. And I was, my logic was it needs to dry, so she can't lick it. So I put a muzzle on her, but when I put the muzzle on her, she wasn't conditioned or used to wearing it, so she charged me. She came after me. And when she did that, I overreacted. I was so stuck in like, I'm the alpha, you can't do that. And I tossed her numerous times. I even struck her. And my office manager turned me in for animal cruelty. Because, and just so we're clear on this, so somehow this was caught on, on tape, yeah. on camera. How, how was this filmed? I had cameras in my facility um, just, you know, mm -hmm. just to manage everything. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, I was so stubborn back then. I didn't even care. I was like, you cannot come after me. Now, to be fair, I find that a lot of aggression stems from fear, and I was absolutely in fear mode. Sure. Uh, and I totally own it, although it's not defining me anymore. Uh, but anyways, I had ended up getting an attorney, and she watched the video, and she said, you'll never go to jail for this, don't worry. And then the media got a hold of the story. And I was on the front page of the, of the newspaper time and time again. I remember my ex-wife would steal the newspapers from our neighbors, so they wouldn't see me on the front page. Mm. And then it became on the news. Mm -hmm. And I had like six news cameras on my face at every trial. They had to sneak me in because it was like a mob. And this became known nationwide. And this is just, I, I mean, there's a lot of stories that you can cover. Why do you think this, cover gar this story garnered so much interest? Because I was a really top-notch dog trainer. Mm -hmm. And because it's juicy, it's dr it's dramatic and it's conflict, and I think that's what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I did go to jail. The attorney was wrong. Seriously, absolutely. Now I do want to share. But the dog didn't die. Well, yeah. Or did the dog die? No, no. <laughs> the dog right. Didn't die. Even so much so that the Humane Society confiscated my dog. The veterinarian at the Humane Society didn't, did an evaluation and said there's no injuries here. But it didn't matter. Right? Wow. They were going to make an example out of me. Now, this is northern Colorado, and they, they're pretty granola, if you will. And mm -hmm. I, that's part of my tribe, too, so I'm not talking bad. At the same time, 
they wanted to make an example out of me and they did a really good job of doing so. Mm-hmm. And I ended up losing the business and I lost my dog. Most of all, that's what hurt most about what I lost. Mm. And I hid for five years. So what does that mean? You moved? How long were you in jail though first? Yeah, bef- yeah. <laughs> I was in jail for a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, and on probation for two years. And I, I hit just cruelty to animals is the charge. I yeah, mean, is that it, it was a misdemeanor animal to cruel, uh, cruelty to animals and misdemeanor. That, that comes with jail time. Yeah, God, that's insane. A misdemeanor for a month, you get a month in well, jail. That's that's insane. They can't put people away for things. I mean, atrocities you can't even begin to fathom. Yeah, and you get thirty days in jail. Yeah, interesting. And that wasn't the painful part. The painful part was losing my dog. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then w- how I chose to respond, which was not respond. And that's part of why I'm here today. Yeah. Is because I never did share my side of the story. We never did bring up PTSD in court. We didn't bring up cancer. We didn't bring up that I had chemotherapy going through my veins. Mm-hmm. We didn't bring up the heart attack. I just took it, you know. And uh, I'm done hiding. Yeah. It took uh, quite a while. So what period of time are we talking about here? So what are, what are the years that what year did the incident happen, and then what were the, what was the five year period? It was all within three months. The cancer, heart attack, and the animal cruelty case all happened from May till August of two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. where did you go to hide? In the house. Okay, so you just basically I wouldn't stayed leave. home. And if I did go out, I would see clients. I mean, it was just so annoying. I'm like, oh, I suck at hiding. I can't even hide from people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then eventually I moved back to California. I just felt this squeeze. And it was all just stuff in my own head. Mm -hmm. Um, But I moved here also because of some family members. Um, My grandfather was pretty sick. I wanted to be with him. But that was me running away. Did that incident cause the downfall of your relationship with the woman that uh, you had the ATV accident with? No, she was so... Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so no. She and I parted ways but always remained friends. And there's always been a very special place in my heart for her the entire time. It's just, you know, I became a business person and she was a college party girl. And our Mm -hmm. lifestyles changed. Yeah. Um, But I always, and I still do have the most love and respect for her. Absolutely. So what did you learn? I mean, 30 days in jail... I'm assuming it wasn't a maximum security facility for a misdemeanor on on dog charges, hopefully. But still, 30 days, mm, you probably have a lot of time to think, probably a lot of time to reevaluate. Obviously, you chose to go into hiding, but something must have opened up for you during those 30 days. And then, of course, in the subsequent years of just deciding to hide, what what really opened up for you mm, over that period of time? I'm very stubborn. Absolutely nothing. I wasn't ready to learn the lesson yet. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. It was uh, it was weird. So no, I was around serial killers, all kinds of crazy stuff. It was because they're waiting for trial and all. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. nuts. Not as crazy as California. California <laughs> prison and jails are pretty hardcore. Yeah. So um, you ended up though having. Uh, another heart attack, right? So yeah. that was a pretty serious. I mean, not that the first one wasn't, but this one, I think, affected you not only on a, on a physical level, but uh, uh, very deep on an emotional and a spiritual level, right? So yes. when, when did that take place? It was about two and a half years ago. I woke up, and it was just a regular day. And a regular day for me was one of which lacked purpose, which lacked any kind of substance, where 
I'd be like, well, what am I going to do today? Uh, maybe I'll walk my dog on the beach and I'll grab a euro. And that was what I had done, right? So I woke up and I immediately began to not feel good at all. I felt really weak. And initially I got triggered because I had been there before from a previous heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I start to feel so weak that I almost want to lay down. Mm -hmm. and my head wants to hit the ground, and I can feel myself about to slip out of consciousness. And I don't know, am I dying just to die for good, or am I passing out, should I say, just to pass out, or is this passing out to die? I didn't know in this moment. And then all of a sudden, I had a realization where I was like, I've, I've been wasting my life. And as I feel like I'm about to hit the ground, and like almost give up on life, I get this rush of energy that comes over my body. And it's almost like this seriousness to say, knock it off and get your life back. Mm. And in this moment, I admitted to a higher power, I was like, I have been wasting my life and I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm a waste of space right now. Mm. I said, but just give me one more chance. I know I didn't learn my lessons before, mm -hmm. but if you give me one more chance at life, I promise I will do the work and I'll transform myself. Mm -hmm. And then I'll serve other people. And that's what I did. I spent the past two and a half years, and I'm still doing it, going on workshops and retreats. And I've done so many modalities of healing that now I um, just want to share with others. Yeah. Well, take me back to the sidewalk. What happened when you felt like you were going to pass out? Did you? Because you had your dog with you, right? No, I, okay. my dog wasn't with me in this moment. So this happened actually in my bedroom. Oh. I just woke up like 15 minutes and I just really felt very weird and woozy, almost like I was having a heart attack from before. And I don't even know what it was. I don't know that it was a heart attack. I did call 911. The ambulance did come. Um, but at that point, I had already had my realization. And I was mm. like, so good. They hooked up the EKG where they said, you know, we know your heart's damaged. We can see that. We don't know if you just had a heart attack or was it from before, um, but we can tell something is going on. Uh, but at that point, I already had my, my realization, and I was good. Nothing could have phased me after that, and I hmm. was totally had total acceptance of what needed to have happened, and I was fully committed to doing so. Cool. Yeah. And so we just uh, we got about... Mm, about six, seven minutes left here. So just want to make sure we cover some some ground around the, the world of dog training and, and so on and so forth. Uh, appreciate you sharing all the you know the details around the story and, and that emotional roller coaster and so on. Uh, glad you're back on solid ground now, man. So yeah, and uh, and moving forward with passion and purpose and conviction right. for sure, right? So yeah. let, let's just get into the dog training side of things for a minute. So for those who are you know pet owners or thinking about having dogs and so on, what 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 are some of the main major mistakes, if you will, that you see people making with their dogs, right? Because I've never really actually sat down with somebody who's like an expert in. We've had dogs for a lot of my life, but. We haven't really had an opportunity to sit down with someone like yourself who just does this for a living. So right. what, what are some of the things that you see in terms of uh, responsible pet ownership or ways to work with your dogs, et cetera? Absolutely. I'm going to give your audience the really juicy stuff, the stuff that people pay me thousands of dollars for. So grab something to write with or make sure you remember this, all right? Because what I'm going to share, it's gonna, it'll work for pretty much any dog unless they have a neurological defect. So the first thing is that we talk to our dogs way too much. You see, dogs communicate 80% nonverbal and just 20% verbal. 
So it's not really about what we say. Like those of you that are sit, 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 slow down, take a breath, mm. and communicate with your dog through body language. For example, let's say your dog is crowding you at the door. In the instance, Steve, when your dogs are trying to bolt out. Yes. Very good. Your dog's nose is right at the crack of that door, right? Yes. Good. <laughs> what I want you to do, it's quite simple, is you keep your feet on the ground, and I want you to slide your foot very slow, very smooth, very gentle into your dog's paw, gently. Now, when you sl- slide your foot into the dog's paws, the dog's going to back up. It's almost we're essentially invading their space a little bit, and mm-hmm. we're not doing it to be intimidating. We're doing it to say, give me my personal bubble. Just like for our relationship, if I stood up and walked closer to you, closer to you, closer to you, shoulder to shoulder, you're like, Ryan, you're super awkward. You're going to want to back away. Mm-hmm. We use that same concept with the dog with body language. We can get a dog to back up and give us our personal bubble. Like if they're begging while you're eating, invade their space gently. And now the other thing is part of this is finesse. So we do the least amount of work possible to get the desired response. That means if I can just stand up and slide my foot two inches and the dog backs up, that's it. But people overreact too much and they do too much. Mm -hmm. So I want everyone to simplify and try and use some body language. Now, whenever you're teaching a dog, if you apply a simple to complex approach, you're going to have much greater success. So break everything down, right? When you're teaching sit, people want their dog to sit stay when they're first teaching it for five minutes. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. You start off with three seconds and reward over and over and then build up to 10 seconds, reward over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Now, I have four pillars that if people will apply the four pillars to whatever they teach, it'll work. So the first one is repetition. So we repetitiously over and over and over teach a new behavior. Second one is consistency. That means that if I give a command, I follow through with it, right? So that you got to be willing to follow through and be consistent if you give a command because then the dog will take you more serious, right? So if you say it, mean it and follow through with it. Mm-hmm. So the first pillar is repetition. The second one is consistency. The third one is timing. We know from Pavlov's law, that study where the dog would salivate with the bell, mm-hmm. that we have one second for a dog to make associations. That means that if we want to praise or correct, you need to do it within one second of the behavior you want to promote or discourage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thus far, we have repetition, consistency, timing, and the last one is reward. Because reward is the motivation. It's what's in it for the dog. It's like the paycheck for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So we need to have a reward for the dog to show the dog what we do want. And you don't even have to give commands. You can just give reward whenever you're impressed. It's mm-hmm. really that simple. Mm-hmm. Reward when impressed. Interesting. Yeah. What's up, Richie? I was just, um, I don't know if we have time, but that that Old dog, new tricks. Thing. You can't teach old dog new tricks. I mean, we have one that's blind and one that's deaf. I mean, they're 13 years old. Yeah. One's named Helen, the other one's named <laughs> Keller, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then one is now hardly having a chance to walk, but he now just growls anytime the other one gets around him. Like, mm. I wouldn't even know how to, what do I be consistent with? What do I do? Like, do you move the dog? How, how do you do something like that? All aggression is related to space. It's an invasion of space. And it's, mm-hmm. it's relevant in this instance because your dog is uncomfortable. Your dog is in pain. Mm-hmm. So what can we do as d- dog trainers and I, my business partner and I, to help that? That's why we have CBD for dogs now, to help yeah. with pain management and mobility. 
So I'd encourage you to look at CBD. It also take the edge off a little bit. But I don't blame your dog that's senior and in pain. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of have some more management and give that dog some space. Think about it. When you're not feeling well, we're kind of a little pissy and irritable. Yeah, that's all that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. Let's no, um, let's do this. We just have uh, just have a couple minutes left. I, and I'm glad you brought this back up because I smell like I'm walking around like a bag <laughs> of weed right now. Not CBD, THC, different conversation. But I, I did want to talk about that. CBD for dogs, safe? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah? Like, because I've seen it in a couple of stores, and it just is kind of like, I don't know about that. Does it get them high, or is it just simply for, I mean, just relief? What are we talking? Yep. So our track is behavior and health in regards to our CBD, and we only have a product with either 0 THC or 0.03% THC, which all gets third-party lab tested. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we're testing it on clients' dogs. But there has been no signs that CBD has any negative side effects, yeah, actually. That's super cool. What, so what is the brand of the CBD products that you have for dogs? We're developing it right now. You are. And it's called Peace of Mind CBD. Peace, Peace of, of Mind CBD. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I could see you doing, uh, I mean, if people are paying you for the videos, kick something like that into the, to the membership program. And for 37 bucks a month, you know, they get, a, they get a bottle of that, they get the videos, and you get a a nice of the month box right there, man. That could work really, really well with you know some sort of written training and Absolutely. the whole night. We'll talk about all that fun stuff, man. So Ryan Matthews, worldofdogtraining.com, best place for folks to go? It is. Yeah. All right, sweet. Ryan Matthews, worldofdogtraining.com. We could go all day on this, man, but really appreciate you driving down to, to be with us here and uh, wish you the best of luck, of course, with the online trainings and uh, and with the CBD product and, the, and all the fun stuff that you're up to. Glad you're... Glad you're feeling better. Glad you're uh, beyond that, man. And like yeah. you said, we all learn from our from our past, and hopefully we all learn from our past and move forward. So Ryan Matthews, worldofdogtraining.com. Thanks for joining us here on Reinvention Radio. Well, for Mary Goulet and for Richie Ote and White Wade and Kelly Polker back at headquarters, I'm Steve Olsher, and we'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's thereinventionworkshop.com.